where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. We hope you had a good Easter. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, we had a, a special Easter surprise there last week in the form of a, a little trip to St. Elsewhere's. Oh, we hope you like Denzel. <laughs> we hope you like Denzel and no laughter tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we're talking about season seven of Cheers, episode two, Swear to God. I really like this one. Me too. It aired on the 3rd of November, 1988 and was written by Tom Reader and of course I Directed by James Burroughs, some staple writing and directing from Cheers. And off the bat, James, I'm probably jumping the gun a little bit because we haven't talked about the cold open yet. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the theme tune, the theme continues a little bit into like a little jazzy sort of music bit. Ooh. Did you catch that? No. I'm going to play it now. So now that we've heard that little jazzy sting intro that we got in this episode, let's talk about the cold open, should we, James? Yeah, it's again a cold open which is very much related to the episode. Sets up sort of Woody's story in this episode, which intertwines throughout. Which I think Barry would also love this episode. Not just Mm. because there's a character called Barry in this episode, but because how Woody's story and Sam's story, because it's a Sam-heavy episode, how they set each other up is fantastic. They're very much intertwined and one of the narratives is reliant on the other one. They, they feed each other really, you know? Well, they both got religion as a theme. We've teased uh, it a lot now, so let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Woody, Woody's a little bit down in the dumps because his acting career, he's still pursuing, but he's unfortunately the understudy in a, a new play that he's part of. Yeah, which, you know, understudy can lead to great things. I, I know Woody Harrelson did leaving an understudy to be on Cheers. You know, he's an understudy on Biloxi blues in much the same way that a relief pitcher can have a fantastic baseball career or you know a substitute for any sport can have a fantastic sporting career understudies can become known for their performance so years ago i went to see blood brothers the musical tragic musical in some way i guess three of the main cast were understudies on the night that i watched it because the names in the program that they had for the main cast weren't the ones who were performing it's a it's about who notices them you know that's that's all it is, really. Well, his sort of main thing is he doesn't think the person playing Moses will fall ill at all during the run. So that's kind of why he's a bit upset, because he knows all the lines, he knows he'd be great at it, but he's just not going to get that opportunity. Yeah, you know what would work? Some nasty plagues. I, I for some <laughs> reason, I think you'd go, murder. <laughs> so I was like... <laughs> That's what I thought no, you were going with that. No, so, so, some nasty plagues. That got rid of Moses in the past, didn't it? No, no, the, the plagues were in Moses' favour. Oh... Then, then a complete absence of plagues. <laughs> Moses was sort of uh, in charge of the plagues, and he he said, he <laughs> said to the, the plagues. Well, kind of. He said to the Pharaoh, "If you don't let my people go, as Charlton Heston once yeah. said in the, in the film, uh, then I'll bring upon these plagues." You could tell which one of us uh, was brought up Catholic, can't you? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I think that does feed into why I like this episode quite a bit as well, because there's there's quite a lot in there. But yeah, so Woody does actually deliver a brilliant sort of line and a brilliant performance. Give me a cue. All right. Now, what's the first line? And I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt under the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites. What did you think of his actor, James? Because it reminded me of some of the roles, some of the performances. It, it has potential, but it was a bit John Wayne-y. 
I thought it was a bit, um, a bit obviously uh, Charlton Heston, but I also thought it was a bit Robin Williams. Interesting. I didn't see the Robin Williams parallel. It just reminded me of his voice a bit in, in quite a few of his oh, roles. The, oh, oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, we end with uh, Cliff doing a little bit of a joke. Said, "What happened to the cellulites?" And Norm says, "They settled in the land of Vera." He loves taking a shot at his wife, doesn't he? And that brings us into the main episode, James. It does. Yeah. And Sam's flirting with a woman, as he does. <laughs> Suzanne Porter. Suzanne Porter, yes. He seems to be doing quite well, but then Woody goes, hey, you got a phone call. Yeah, and well, she seems quite flirtatious back as well. Yeah. Uh, and quite direct as well. But yeah, Woody interrupts her with a phone call from Denise, which Sam <laughs> gets uh, quite excited by in front of Suzanne. He covers it well, doesn't he? Well, in the terms of a sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> As sicko standards, he goes, no, no, it's uh, the nephew. <laughs> yeah, and he, he spins a bit of a story to Suzanne. Where are you going? Uh, to, to my niece's house. Her grandma's sick. If it's your niece's grandma, wouldn't that be your mother? My mom's sick? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily his mother. I suppose, it, yeah, yeah, it could, yeah. yeah it, could right. be the, it could be his sister-in-law's mother. Mm. Susan was picking things that didn't even exist. Sam's, <laughs> you mean your Sam's mother? Lot- no. You, you, keep, you, you keep your logic out of this, Suzanne. <laughs> Sam seemed to have got away with that, that lie and went to see Denise, who is a woman. We never said that. It was, just, it was a woman who he had uh, a previous fling with. I think our listeners probably figured that out. <laughs> I don't well, think it was just, actually uh, <laughs> his niece. <laughs> I thought I'd clarify just in case, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't actually his niece. Uh, yeah, he had a fling with, and she has news and something else she has as well. The child, mm. I think is what it's called. Well, yeah, Sam returns to the bar a little bit taken aback because he's realised he's potentially a dad. Yeah. And he reveals this to Carla in his office. Remember how I went over to Denise's house? Well, she, she didn't invite me over for a good time. She wanted to show me something. What? My child. Seven pounds, ten ounces, a baby boy. (laughs) What's so funny? Sam Malone finally got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. (laughs) Come on, this is serious. Carlos, I think slightly delighted in this news. She's reveling in it a bit. She has and i think it's because she is going now you, now you'll know what it's like sam yeah i i feel like uh especially in last season when she had sort of a, a bit of a crisis when she was becoming a good grandmother mm. she felt like age was catching her and not really anyone else if sam was a father it would sort of i mean that's a dramatic step really isn't it having a child yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely changes things. But it, it changes things even more when you only find out about them after they're born. You know, you don't have that nine months to to prepare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't baby proof life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick by that statement. <laughs> and Sam's quite shaken up by this news. But there is an interesting <laughs> quote. I personally thought it was uh, quite a, a genuine character trait, which is Carla says, you know, don't worry about it. All you need to do is sort of pay every month and, you know, that'll be fine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Childcare money. Yeah, pay, yeah. pay childcare and yeah, don't worry about it. It's not going to impact your life. So Carla, it means a lot more to me than that. I'm telling you, if this... If this kid is mine, then then I want to see that he's fed, that he's clothed, and, and that he's educated. You know, I'm, I'm going to take him to, to Little League games, too. I'm going to be the best damn father you've ever seen. 
Please don't let it be mine. Oh. I think that is sort of a genuine thought and feeling that he has that. If, if he does have a child, he would be a, a good father and stand by his child. I think he would as well. I think what it comes down to is Sam is he doesn't want it to be his child, but if it is, he will step up. As all good fathers would do, he makes a deal with God <laughs> that it wouldn't be his child. He doesn't make a God that it wouldn't be his child. <laughs> if it isn't his child... He yeah. would say that he's learned his lesson and that he won't have sex again. He then reduces it to three months because be realistic. I tell you, if I get out of this, I swear to God, I am through fooling around forever. Sam, don't swear to God. No, I mean it. I mean it. If I get out of this, I swear to God, I'll never have sex again. <laughs> you? Never? Yeah, not ever. I mean, for the rest... Well, three months. Three months. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he makes a deal with God, really. And that sets up this whole episode and kind of... He doesn't even negotiate with God. He swears to God. He tells God, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And coins, yeah. coins the, the title of this episode when he swears to God, makes a promise, makes a vow of yeah. uh, chastity for three months. Ooh, good luck, Sammy boy. And Carla has sort of a, a speculative and she's very religious and she's very superstitious. Yes. And she kind of says, you don't want to play with things like that. You don't want to make a promise to God, a vow to God and then break it. And that's really the theme and driving force of this episode. Mm. And after making this promise to God, he gets a call from Denise and finds out the child isn't his. Do you know what he does with that news? He goes, hey, Suzanne, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's celebrate. He's, he's got some sleazy lines again, but Carla pulls him aside and warns him. Yes, and rightfully she should, because, you know, you, you, you made a promise, Sam, and even if <laughs> one doesn't believe in all that God things, it's like, well, yeah, you made a promise ostensibly with the intention of sticking to it. You know, you made a promise, if not to God, to yourself. Yeah, and uh, Sam, Sam brushes this off. He, he's about to go and exit cheers, and this is where... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> best, best bit of the episode. <laughs> Come on. What's he gonna do? Reach down in the clouds and snatch me up? You know, you. Hold infidel! Which is a, a great line from Woody. Dressed fully in uh, Moses' attire. Very yep. reminiscent of Charlton Heston's uh, role uh, as Moses as well. Sam gets understandably quite panicked and freaked out at the sight of... Uh, you should what, warn people if you're going around dressed as guard. <laughs> what I love about it as well is how Woody takes it as a compliment. Like, I was just trying to be Moses and Sam so th thought I was guard. <laughs> I thought that was great. What I like is the double meaning of the word infidel or the double connotations of the word infidel. Obviously, it means person from a specific region within the Middle East, but also... So it alludes to infidelity, which means cheating. And then uh, from there, Sam sort of dismisses this. Uh, Carla takes this as a sign from God. <laughs> it's very, very coincidental. But she does manage to get Sam to keep his uh, vow by giving a bit of a story of one of her cousins, I believe. Yes. Yes. Tino. Yeah. Who uh, vows to cut out meat from his diet, eats meat and his teeth fall out. And Sam quickly joins the dots and realises what Something implications else. that would have on him <laughs> and his vow. <laughs> so he tells Suzanne to leave. Well, she says, uh, call me back. And he says, I don't have your number. And she says, I know. Well, yeah, because you've been messing her about, Sam, you know. You went to go and visit another girl and then you came back and then I mean, you... it, was, it was very obvious with that Denise, the, the nephew whole thing, you know. Yeah. Yes, it reminds me of um, two things. It reminds me of the Key and Peel substitute teacher with D-Nice. And mm. the other thing it reminds me of 
was the stand-up comedian in Glasgow I saw once. He went to someone in the audience. He went, I'm going to ask you a question. And it's a joke, right? But the only way this joke works is if you respond by saying Maureen. Okay, can you do that? Can you can you say Maureen to the next answer? Anyway, and he went to a person in the audience and went, you, what's your mum's name? And they went, Maureen. And he went, no way. That's my mother. <laughs> That's mine too. We just call her Ma. And then he just goes, okay, right. We're getting somewhere. Next, the answer to this joke will only work if you say the name Dadreen. <laughs> so he had to sign in the audience. He goes, what's your dad's name? And they went, Dadreen. And he went, no way. That's a really stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> Gets me every time. <laughs> well, you could try that with the, the whole Denise the nephew thing. <laughs> You know, your typical cheer stuff happens. They go, ooh, beer. Hey, films. Well, hey. Eventually, everyone... <laughs> your typical you know, cheer stuff happens. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't really matter. They have they have fun bar conversation. One of the things, including how Cliff claims to be a member of the Russian royal family. I don't really know why. It's, it's after Cliff makes a joke at Sam's expense because he was fearing that he was the father. Sam tells him he has a big mouth and Cliff goes, well, yeah, you know, actually we do. It's so we could fit our extra teeth in. He's a strange man and we've got that by now and I accept it, James. Do you know which popular singer from the 1980s did have extra teeth no i can't i can't place it i feel like it's, i want to say someone from kiss but it's it's not it's cause they, gene simmons got a tongue not not teeth yeah it's uh, it's freddie mercury oh of course yeah yeah i should have got that yeah that's a little known fact for you there uh, also amongst some of the uh, conversation at the bar we sort of get a slight closure to uh, woody's tale of his role as moses he uh, gets a call he finds out that the person playing moses is ill with a plague i feel like i feel like it was some kind of tooth no not tooth infection an ear infection which you know i've had ear infections they can be annoying you know make it difficult to sleep woody immediately gets on it though i'll get him antibiotics don't worry moses <laughs> there was a playwright who wrote a controversial play about a biblical figure who died due to complications from an ear infection. Do you know who the playwright is? William Shakespeare? It was Oscar Wilde. Oh, that okay. Died from complications from an ear infection and he wrote the controversial play Salome. Where do we go from here, James? Your little known facts are endless. Thank you. Uh, I should write a book. <laughs> we visit Sam and he's in the bar and, uh, I mean, he's he's struggling with his uh, chastity. It seems like he's lasted a, about a week or two. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks, yeah. He's getting warnings from Carla, like, temptation at 12 o'clock, and uh, he's saying they're coming in waves and things like that. And he's Hiding behind a Bible. <laughs> like that scene with Smithers in The Simpsons in the corner when the women are dancing. He actually does get the Bible and says, he found a passage which says, with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. He's very much looking for a loophole to get out of his promise with God. Everyone uh, loves a biblical loophole. Well, this is his problem, is he can't find a way out of it. So what do you do when you you, you want to get, get off scot-free and uh, not fulfill a, a promise to God? You go to the next best thing, Father Barry. Father Barry, which is a priest in the episode, not just our nickname for one of our co-hosts. <laughs> that being said, Father Barry uh, immediately is a standout character for me in uh, in Cheers. Oh, Father Barry is oh chef's kiss. <laughs> I think it was something which was missing from Cheers because through Carla, we've always had some religious importance, but not necessarily religious presence. And I think mm. Father Barry brings that. 
Sam asks Father Barry if he has any tricks of the trade of how to maintain chastity. <laughs> and he says, oh, yes, we have a special way we sit down kind of thing. <laughs> but we don't reveal it to outsiders, really? Yeah. No, Sam. No. <laughs> I, it was a joke. It was a, it was a Catholic joke, Sam. <laughs> I don't know why I went slightly Irish there. That was. <laughs> I know, he didn't. <laughs> I did. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> he, he has some quite good words of wisdom where he, uh, Sam spins this tale about a story of a friend who has vowed to give up sweets, but Sam wants to know what would happen if his friend ate a big box of chocolates. The priest kind of says the line of, most people come in here with the answers already within them, and he's not going to let Sam off the hook. He reads Sam like a pamphlet, much easier to read than a book. One of my favourite lines of Sam in this scene is, just, is basically where he goes, I just love sweets so much <laughs> yeah. i really enjoyed this episode for those moments sam has a uh, well ted danson as an actor has a lot to play with in this episode i also liked how it really actually emphasized carla and sam's relationship there's also one relationship we get to see bond a little bit which is sam and Fraser's. when religion fails you go to a psychiatrist religion or science so it's, you know, blue pill, red pill type thing. <laughs> but Fraser uh, has some, I was going to say good advice. He has advice. He says to vent his sexual energy through another activity, which theoretically sounds right. Very Freudian. After talking to Sam, they sort of land on the idea that maybe Sam can take up piano. Do you want to hear my favourite fact surrounding Father Barry? Yes. It's the name of the actor who plays him, Eric Christmas. It's a very holy name. It is a very holy name. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it could be more holy. Jesus Christmas, maybe? As we've started talking about the cast, should we talk about the cast who have appeared so far? And yes. I know there's one more person to come, but maybe we'll talk about them later on. So we've got Eric Christmas as Father Barry. He had a 61-year-long acting career, having appeared in The Torchbearers, Scope, Crossroads, The Wayne and Schuster Show, Bonanza, The Andromeda Strain, Love American Style, Harold and Maud, Columbo, Kojak, Grady, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Porky's... <laughs> These are all films and TV shows, Attack John. The Killer Tomatoes. I can't wait to watch that after this. Recording. I think I think you'd love it. It's, <laughs> it's a B movie horror. I think you'd love it. Porky's Little House on the Prairie, Trapper John M.D., Saint Elsewhere, The Tortellis, Murphy Brown, Alf, Night Court, Major Dad, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Home Improvement, Matlock, Wings, The Golden Palace, Empty Nest, The John Larroquette Show. L.A. Law, The X-Files, Roseanne, Walker, Texas Ranger, Seinfeld, Alan McBeal, and many more. Shauna Reed as Suzanne. She also appeared in The Dukes of Hazzard, Newhart, T.J. Hooker, Fantasy Island, Knight Rider, Hotel, The Colbys, Magnum P.I., Major Dad, Touched by an Angel, Beverly Hills, 90210, and many more. We also had Philip Pillman as Phil who was uncredited, and Al Rosen as Al, who was also uncredited. We also have Kim Johnston Ulrich as Rachel, and she's entering the bar right now. Kim has been in Zelig, As the World Turns, Remington Steel, Hotel, The A-Team, Hunter, St. Elsewhere, Midnight Caller, Wings, as Carol Hackett, the, you know, Brian's ex-wife, Dallas, Who's the Boss, Matlock, Walker, Texas Ranger, Murder, She Wrote, Diagnosis Murder, Third Rock from the Sun, CSI, and many more. Lot of murder shows there. 
<laughs> I tell you, what, m- much like her role in Wings, she's very much a, a temptress in this episode. Yes, vixen. In uh, in Wings, <laughs> <Sorry>. she's <laughs> in Wings, she's uh, tempting both Ryan and Joe. In this yeah. episode, she's very much tempting Sam. I'd say this it, is a uh, what? What's the saying? The, the straw that broke the camel's back. I think the saying's the last temptation of Malone. <laughs> It's become to a point where he cannot... He just can't fight this feeling anymore. He's, he succumbs to her temptations. Uh, she comes into the bar, she covers his eyes, and she says... Guess who? Uh-oh. I'll give you a hint. Vermont Ski Lodge, a roaring fire, and baby oil. Uh, could you uh, be more specific? <laughs> Gravity boots. He initially resists but she has something to show him. Yeah, she has like a Polaroid, doesn't she? She has a Polaroid of a beach photo. Now, I, oh, I was going to sound sleazy. I was going to say, no, I had a good look at this beach photo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she, she has a photo of her on the beach in a, in a bikini. Whoa, Sam's sweating at the collar. That photo she hands to him, it's a different person, John. This actress is very blonde, the one who comes into the bar. The mm. one in the photo isn't. The one in the photo, I think, is Raquel Welch. How did you deduce that, James? Because I looked at the photo. I can't confirm for sure it's Raquel Welch, but there were a number of well-known photos of Raquel Welch in a white bikini, and she had the same kind of feathered hair that Raquel Welch had uh, from the 70s. I don't know if it is, but I think they could have easily gone, here's a photo of sex symbol Raquel Welch. Use that, you know? (laughs) Whether it was an image of her or not. It made Sam uh, almost break his vow. He had a, a word with God, you'd say. Private word, sidebar. <laughs> he had a sidebar <laughs> with God. He convinces himself that he's making two people very happy. Do you think Sam's going through the five stages of guilt? Denial, anger, bargaining? What, what are the other stages? Depression and acceptance. The theory falls apart after the third stage. <laughs> <laughs> but the first three, uh, so far he's exhibited them. Yeah, I think so. Bargaining, for sure. He leaves the bar. Carla re-enters the bar from the pool room and does a sort of a, you know, a bloodhound sort of sniff. Yeah, she smells Rachel's notorious perfume. Devastation. Devastation. <laughs> and she says the hound is loose and then prays to God and say, please go easy on him. And what I loved about this sequence was there was a fantastic shot, fantastic camera shot, where the Bible's been left on the bar mm. near the entrance and it pulls focus between the Bible and Carla re-emerging from the pool room. I'll tell you, this episode, not just writing alone, cinematography, they pulled out a stop there, didn't they? It was definitely a standalone episode so far, but... Sam, and that Bible focus shot is actually quite a poignant moment of this episode, I'd say. Sam's faith, Carla's faith, and religion has sort of been the through line of this. Yes, very much so. Uh, and what we find out is that the next day Sam re-enters the bar. Carla's, I'd say, a bit disappointed in Sam and a bit worried for him, I guess. Worried for his mortal soul. Keep it light, James. <laughs> uh, no, it's 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 a um, line from American Pie, isn't it? She does say, Sam, uh, Sammy, now you've done it. There's nothing in your future but frogs and locusts. Ah, the plagues. Oh, yeah, some of the old plagues. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Carla's pretty disappointed in Sam. She's worried for him. But Fraser is also uh, disappointed. Since Fraser and Sam have known each other, they've realised their commonalities and act as confidants to each other quite often. So Sam returns and he looks very happy. Yeah, suspiciously so. Most people in the bar are like, yeah, Sammy got some. After, you know, what, 40 days and 40 nights, Sammy Sammy got some. And he's like, no, I didn't. I uh, didn't go through with it. And they're like, what? And he says, yeah, 
wherever I went, the Bible kept staring back at me. He, he sees it as a bit of a miracle. They're in a hotel. He opened the bedside drawer and there was a Bible there. He insisted they had to move rooms and there, there was another Bible there, James. And another Bible. And another Bible. <laughs> Not another one. Can't get rid of them. <laughs> he said it was a bona fide miracle. And he said God was speaking to him directly through hotel nightstands. And Carla and Fraser have very different reactions to this. Well, yeah, because it's the religion and science aspect yeah. coming to play, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Well, Carla doesn't believe it's a miracle, but she believes that she should continue to make Sam think it is one. Frasier concedes this. Initially, he wants to go, but Sam, every... And then Carla goes, Frasier, Sam just experienced a genuine, you know, (laughs) genuine moment. Would you shut up? Rebecca comes in and asks Sam to help her with her zipper, to which Sam kind of... uh, He he has a a minor meltdown, I'd say. Yeah, no, he starts shaking and instead moves towards the... Frasier moves in towards the piano and he just starts playing... (laughs) He aggressively starts playing chopsticks. Yeah, Frasier goes, piano Sam, piano Sam. (laughs) I have a theory about this episode. I think that they recycled some material from the would-be season six finale and just recontextualized it. The season six finale was originally going to be that Sam was going through a HIV scare, basically. Given the time that aired, the writers and producers realized that they couldn't really work with the episode, you know. Uh, they wrote it, went to table read, they realized that the it would have come across as insensitive, you know. I think they recycled some of that fear that Sam had, and instead of it being a sexually transmitted illness or disease, it was the responsibility of fatherhood. Lots of the elements of this episode do feel like they could have swapped out that narrative starting point and, and kept some of those narrative beats still in there from an original yeah. script. the trivia there delivered fresh by Moses himself I've got a couple of questions for you James but first I'll just uh, remind our listeners that uh, if they haven't checked out our Easter episode on Patreon where we visited uh, St. Elsewhere's for a bonus episode you can check that out on Patreon if you think this Cheers episode had a lot of religion in it then you're gonna love that St. Elsewhere many a religious undertone in that one in fact there was re-resurrection of Christ James but there was a potential Jesus yeah but as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. James, I've got a question for you. Sam, he did a couple of things uh, to try and uh, calm himself down, I might say. What things did he do? Uh, shoved ice down his tight underwear. Not far off for one of them. There are three. Tight underwear. No, he started stuffing ice in his pockets. He started taking cold showers and he stopped eating oysters, which I feel like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about many people. But I don't think oysters is like a common food that I go, oh, I've stopped eating oysters. I've cut them out of my diet entirely. I do like the idea that Sam had to consciously like cut oysters out of his diet as if he's been fueling his uh, bachelor lifestyle off them. What is the name of Woody's play? I cannot remember. An Evening with the Prophets. An Evening with the Prophets. It feels like it's a similar one to uh, Authors in Hell. Uh, James, I've got a question for you. Sam's potential child, he uh, he says how much the child weighs. Do you know? Denise's son weighs seven pounds and ten ounces. That's how much it weighs. He weighs. Yeah, you got both both sides of that question right, James. What hints does Rachel give Sam as to her identity? Do you know, James? All I can remember is the gravity boots. (laughs) Yeah, well, they were the most memorable part. 
It's uh, the Montski Lodge, Roaring Fire, Baby Oil, and Gravity Boots. Why did you do the voice? That was- <laughs> I don't know. Uh, because I think that, I think that was the tone she was trying to get across, and I was just, you know... Yeah, you didn't need to do it to me. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> I've got headphones on here, James. <laughs> that's last call. I think we learned a lot today. We had Holden a little- Fidel. Oh, oh, I, oh, I've halted. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd channel some Woody Moses energy towards the end. Woody Moses energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would we have for this episode, James? The blood of Christ. It's not a bad show. <laughs> I wonder if there's a devastation cocktail. That that might that sounds plausible. Devastation body rocker cocktail, James. Do you know what, James? Yeah. I feel like a Christmas Eve of destruction might be the perfect pairing in honor of uh, our special guest, Eric Christmas. Eric Christmas. <laughs> and, that uh, sounds made up. That's not. That's, that sounds like a toast of London name. <laughs> and the destruction in ode of uh, devastation. Wow, I, I think that sounds like a, a good pairing for this episode. We should toast to Sam. I think he did a good job this episode. He found faith, didn't he? I'm proud of him. Yeah, our little Sammy's all grown up. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. A Cheers podcast. Amen.